Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am putting the popcorn-fueled into popcorn-fueled theme park journalist this week. I went to Disneyland yesterday, and I was insatiable. I packed away so much food, you'd think that I was a squirrel hibernating for the winter. But no, I was a hungry little theme park fan who is not used to walking 20,000 steps in a day. I am starting to get the feeling that perhaps my body and mind are in storage mode. Like, my body just is not used to this routine yet. So whenever I go back, it's like, gotta, gotta, gotta get a corn dog. It's the last one we're ever gonna get. Gotta get, gotta get a popcorn. We're never gonna be back here for 412 days. We gotta go, we gotta go. And I really just, (laughs) I spent a lot of money. I ate a lot of snacks. I brought home snacks and I ate them on the ride home. And then I made dinner and then I ate more snacks. Maybe that just proves how sedentary I've been, just sitting in the kitchen plunking out things in the podcast factory. But either way, wow, I ate a lot of delicious things and it was great. I took my husband to Disneyland, who, if anybody is familiar (laughs) with the lore of Ben, he's not as much of a theme park person as perhaps people like us are if you're listening to a silly little theme park podcast right now. But we had a we had a great time. It was his first time on Rise of the Resistance. Again, no spoilers. This is a spoiler-free podcast, but he loved it. We went on Haunted Mansion, which I gotta say, that ride looks fabulous after the past year. I mean, I I guess I too would look incredible if I took 400 days off of work and life. Not like, and I got, I want to add to that. It's not like taking a sad 2020, I'm not at my computer vacation inside your own house, counted as time off. Like that rule does not apply to humans, but a whole year off and it looked beautiful. The changes are fabulous. It's so good. Oh, it's so nice to be back. And again, blanket apology for anyone not in California because I feel guilty even talking about it, but we'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. Now this... Oh my god, this episode is a doozy. We're talking about Duffy and Friends. But as you know, Duffy and Friends are so much more to me. If you're a huge fan of characters like Duffy, Shelley Mae, Cookie Ann, ones that are immensely popular overseas, you're going to hear some tidbits in today's interviews that will be very new and very exciting. And if you've never understood the fuss over these spin-off characters, if you're like, haven't seen it on Disney+, Plus, no thank yous, trust me, you will look at Duffy the Disney Bear and his floofy pals in a completely different way afterwards. And if you don't care either way and are just here for the Olu Meldrama, well... We got that too. Oh yeah. Uh some stuff's going to go down in this episode, okay? Just just prepare yourself. Just get on board now. All I'm going to say is that if you listen to one episode this season all the way through, maybe have it be this one. Buckle up and pull that yellow strap cuz you are in for a rollicking ride. Do you hear how high my voice is? Can you feel the anxiety for what comes next? Just let it be known that, um, apparently my thoughts about Olumel were seen from a wider audience than I anticipated. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to get into it. But I promise, Team Duffy or not, you're going to love this episode. Stick around. We have so much in store. (laughs) 
Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today, we're talking about Duffy and Friends. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't, but they're a ragtag collection of six furry Disney friends that, particularly overseas, have been giving Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto a run for their money these past few years. I'm going to be real with you from the top. Today's episode has some layers. I set out to do the definitive piece about the existence and significance of Duffy and Friends. I talked to experts at the Walt Disney Company, folks who create these characters, their storylines, the merchandise, all of it. And well, while I was doing that, a couple things happened that I was not prepared for. Namely, that the Walt Disney Company is aware of the kinds of things I've been saying about Olumel. In case you don't recall what those things might be, here's a little flashback to season one of Very Amusing, when I hopped on the phone with my friend Chris from TDR Explorer, who's an expert in the Tokyo parks, where we hashed it out about if this turtle deserves to exist or not. He's just that friend that is just kind of there for no real reason, but he's it's comforting that he is there. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's the exact reason why I despise him. <laughs> okay. It's because I, so to me, Olumel is a grifter. He is a friend that they met on vacation at Alani that somehow wound up following them back to Asia and is now a part of their lives. Like they can't get rid of him. He is a burden on their souls. He was never invited to be in the core group. And then all of a sudden, they're about to debut a, a full Olu character at Shanghai. And I'm like, I how did you get here? No one wants you here. Like you're a new cast <laughs> member. No one had a had a poll or a discussion to see if you belonged. We were very happy with Cookie Ann being the last new friend. And now, like, you're this turtle here making some loud music that nobody wants. Get out of here. <laughs> it's always the quiet ones you have to watch out for because they just kind of <laughs> swoop in. And that's exactly what Olu did. I commend Olu for his perseverance and being very under the radar and now he is slowly taking over because he's a grifter because he's a grifter because he's a grifter now over the course of the past year my um, feelings about olumel the hawaiian sea turtle who glommed onto duffy and shelly may's alani vacation have become a bit of a punchline from friends trolling me on twitter when new merchandise is released at tokyo parks to y'all tagging me Every time you see a rack of turtle keychains at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort to even my PR contact at Walt Disney World mailing me things under the guise of it being work related and sneaking Olumel merchandise into the package more than once. 
You all have not let me live my fiery hatred for that sea turtle down. So, oh, well, this episode is intended to be about Duffy and friends. And boy, do I have some unbelievable stuff to share with you about them. So much. Oh, it's so good. This one is a real tail between my legs kind of situation, with the story reported being the candy-coated shell and me kind of getting my butt handed to me as its chocolatey center. I did not embark upon reporting this episode having realized I was a character in the story, but it appears I unwittingly am. So stick with me on this one, because whoo, it's a wild ride. Today, we are discussing Duffy and Friends, and we are going to get into it. Any question you've ever had about them, particularly are Duffy and Shelly May a couple or just friends, will be answered in the course of this episode. There is so much nuance to these characters beyond what I thought, considering they have no television show, they have no movie. They are essentially nonverbal characters that so many people have utterly fallen in love with. How did that happen? Well, that's what we're going to explore in this week's episode. To explain the history and significance of Duffy the Disney Bear, a consumer product first introduced at Walt Disney World that's become a character franchise powerhouse at Disney parks overseas in Tokyo, Shanghai, and Hong Kong. I'm going to turn it over to Daniel Ju, a WDI portfolio creative executive for Tokyo Disney Resort. I spoke with Daniel earlier this year to get to the core of why Tokyo Disney parks have become so appealing to American Disney fans. And of course, while reporting that story for Bloomberg, we wound up chatting about Duffy. You see, the trajectory of Duffy is not one you'd ever expect. Introduced in 2002 as the Disney bear to American audiences, he was later brought to and somewhat reimagined for Tokyo Disney Sea in Japan, where calling him a success is kind of an understatement. Duffy had a presence in American theme parks here and there, sure, but it's nothing compared to the cultural phenomenon that happened overseas. To break it all down, here's Daniel. Duffy started off as the Disney bear in Florida, and we brought him to Japan. But instead of just bringing a plush piece of merchandise, we decided to give him a story for Japan and a name. The story is that Minnie made Duffy for Mickey so that Mickey would have a companion as Mickey would go to the different ports of call in Tokyo Disney Sea and all of his travels. And she gifted this bear to Mickey in a duffel bag. So that's why he is called Duffy. He very slowly, slowly gained this strong, strong core fan base. Small, but strong. And guests would see other guests carrying around their duffies around the parks. And they go, where can I get that? And it just grew and grew. It grew to a point where guests would come and they would dress up their duffies. They would buy several duffies and give them different names. So, you know, all kind of user-created content. And they would pose their duffies. They would bring their duffies to the restaurants and, and put them in high chairs and eat with their duffy. So they were kind of using duffy as sort of a surrogate child almost. They would rent strollers for their Duffy. And so we decided that, hey, you know, guests are, are starting to dress up their Duffies in dresses. And they didn't care whether he was a boy or a girl. So we said, you know what, Duffy needs a friend. <laughs> and so we decided, that's when we designed Shelly May, who is Duffy's friend, who happens to be a girl bear. Then it 
just sort of skyrocketed from there. And at some point, we said, you know what? We have to really do something with these two bears. We have to give them more friends. And that's when we came up with the idea of Duffy and Friends. And Duffy and Friends now includes Gelatoni, includes Stella Lou, it includes Cookie Ann, Olu Mel, and we're still thinking of what other friends that we might be able to add. So huge, huge success in Tokyo. It is now has spread to Hong Kong, to Shanghai, and to Aulani. And so really, we think that kind of the Asia market really loves this group of friends. They are very comforting. The guests tell us that it gives them a sense of this Japanese word called iyashi. And iyashi is sort of like comforting, relaxing, feeling that something good will happen if you have it. You want these kind of Duffy and friends give you this comfort, love of comfort. It's sort of a lifestyle now. It's not just a plush for kids. Our biggest group of demographics who, who enjoy Duffy are young adult females. So anywhere from 20 to 40 years old. And it's huge now. It's really huge. And now it's, it's kind of spread out throughout Asia. I've never seen people even react to Mickey and Minnie this way of the way that they would interact with Duffy. You know, what they do is they carry Duffy in the parks. And when you carry Duffy in the parks, he is always facing away from you. Because what they want is Duffy to enjoy the park and to experience what they are experiencing. And so it's sort of this joint thing. You know, in America, when we have a teddy bear, we always hold it so that it's facing us. But in Japan, they are using this Duffy and friends as sort of an extension of themselves and as kind of as a, a group where they can together experience the theme parks. And so it's a really wonderful thing. It's a really interesting thing. There are certain things about our guests in Japan, which I think are just so unique and is one of the reasons why I love Tokyo Disney Resort so much, because it really makes it special. Like Daniel said, Tokyo is really where these characters sing. Tokyo Disney Sea itself is a wildly unique park. Built as a counterpoint to Disneyland, the collection of waterfronts and ports across this downright stunning park make for a pilgrimage that diehard Disney fans dream of taking, and one I've been lucky enough to experience twice. I was never really this into Duffy until I went to Japan in 2015. My friend Nikki Kraft, who appeared on our Must Do Disney Stacy documentary episode in season one, told me about a game he liked to play called 10 Second Duffy. According to him, you can't go 10 seconds without seeing a Duffy somewhere in that park. And I gotta tell ya, I didn't lose once. I walked around those parks overseas stunned and surprised by what Daniel described earlier. Guests carrying their Duffy, their Gelatoni, their Shelly May, so they too can enjoy the parks. There are even little pedestals placed around for you to put your plush friend on so they too can have their own vacation photos. It's adorable. For me, the obsession began on that trip, a visit that culminated in spotting a sweet girl around my age sitting across the dinner table from her Duffy. And at that moment, I was hooked for life. That was the kind of magic I needed to know more about and immediately began to crave. You see, at Tokyo Disney Sea, there's this one port or land called Cape Cod. There, you can find a store packed with Duffy merchandise. That is, if the special seasonal stuff hasn't sold out yet. 
You can also meet Duffy and Shelley May, and even catch a full stage show of the characters, which you're able to watch by purchasing a meal at Cape Cod Cook-Off. Now, I don't want to get called out by the tippy blue stands, so let me just mention it now. There is an original friend, a seagull, who still appears in that show, but at this point is only loosely associated with this universe. Think of it as an actor being recast after a pilot episode, if that makes sense. They were there at the beginning, but have somewhat become overshadowed by someone else. To explain the full Duffy universe, there are six friends in total. Duffy and Shelley May, who we've discussed, were later joined by Gelatoni, a cat who loves to paint, my personal favorite, Stella Lou, a rabbit who is also a dancer, Cookie Ann, a dog who's always up to something in the kitchen, and our much-discussed musically-inclined turtle, Olu Mel. The fan frenzy over Duffy and Friends has now moved well beyond just the Tokyo parks. When I say these characters are kind of eclipsing Mickey, Minnie, and the gang, I'm not exaggerating. Case in point, when Shanghai Disneyland opened, it had a Minnie Mouse-themed bakery. When I went back in 2019, the entire place was completely overtaken with merchandise and sweets themed to Duffy and Friends, like character candy apples and massive plush toys. Hong Kong Disneyland even has an outpost within their Main Street Cinema where you can meet Cookie Ann, Duffy, and more characters. And yeah, I've spent half a day there waiting in line to meet all of them, and I have no regrets. It's not like people stateside have been sleeping on them. Alani, given its proximity to Japan, has always been a low-key haven for fans of this franchise. Duffy and Shelley May met guests at the Hawaii resort long after his meet-and-greets were removed from stateside parks, and there was always plenty of merchandise in their gift shop. Perhaps that's why Olumel, who began as an Alani-exclusive character, has grown to be the globally recognized turtle he is now. I gotta be honest... Personal feelings aside, Olu really did help turn the tide towards Duffy and Friends becoming part of the American Disney theme park experience once again. Since his merchandise began filling the shelves at Polynesian Village Resort's hotel gift shop in September 2020, he's kind of become a phenomenon. There were even themed treats like cupcakes and Dole Whips to announce his arrival. How often does someone even like Goofy get that? As much as I've tended to openly dislike this ukulele-playing plush turtle, I have to hand it to him. He has shepherded these characters I love into Walt Disney World in a way that I hope and pray means they'll be expanded even further across the Florida theme park resort into the future. On that note, there's also a new piece of Duffy and Friends entertainment that's been floating around online and is definitely worth a viewing. These two stop-motion shorts, Morning Glory and Spring Surprise, see the characters working together and solving problems as a team for the first time ever in a digital format. Lest I make it sound like Scooby-Doo, they're, they're not solving mysteries, just honoring their friendship in these warm, calming videos that really put the compelling themes that exist just below the surface of these characters on display for, essentially, the first time. Also, the characters frown in it when something goes wrong, and oh my gosh, their little frown face, oh, it breaks my heart. If you're like me, you're probably a bit curious about Duffy, Shelley May, and the rest of them. Possibly even have a favorite, and perhaps may not know why. Thankfully, I was able to get to the bottom of the reason why these characters are such a phenomenon. Charlie Watanabe, senior story editor at Walt Disney Imagineering, and Eva Lee, manager of content planning at Walt Disney Imagineering, were kind enough to lend me their time and expertise. These people make this stuff happen! 
I couldn't wait to find out the answers to if Duffy lives in our world or his, what the deal is between Duffy and Shelley May, and why I'm so convinced, despite no real reason to point to, that Gelatoni is the best one. But here's the thing. I rolled into this interview expecting to talk about Duffy and like maybe toss a little joke or two about Olu Mel into the mix, but my reputation preceded me. They had been briefed. They've seen my antics on Twitter and were aware that I do not like one of the characters they had so carefully constructed over the years. Uh, and it's a doozy. <laughs> Uh, it's a doozy, people. It's a real masterclass in things you say catching up with you. Everything is great. We laughed a lot and had a wonderful time. But do know, if I'm silent in any portion going forward, it's because my head is in my hands, we are on Zoom, and I am melting of shame in real time. Now, I cut some of my rambling at the beginning, so this interview is going to come in hot. So get on board now. Here is my favorite interview where we go deep into the actual philosophy of Duffy and Friends, and also the most embarrassing moment of my life. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm not exaggerating when I say this is maybe the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Hi, Carly. Nice to meet you. Um, I am a huge fan of yours. Follow you closely. Yes. <laughs> I felt like I needed to say that up front. Um, People in like the Duffy universe know I exist? Yes, we know you exist. We follow you very closely, oh um, or at least I do. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, including Olu, of course. Oh, so, no. oh my God. I totally thought I was just going to like worm my way through this interview and then be like, we'll bring it up at the end. We'll no. feel it out. Oh, my no, God. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep on on Olu. So um, just wanted to preface that. But um I'm Eva Lee. Nice to meet you in person. This is also a very exciting day for me as well. Um, I am a manager of franchise development for Walt Disney Imagineering, which means I get to look into the toy box in our library of characters and stories and IP that we've developed at Imagineering and look for ways to expand and extend and um, to do really fun things with them. So it's kind of a dream job and I get to work with great creatives and storytellers such as Charlie. So I'll pass it over to Charlie. <laughs> Thank you, Eva. Um, um, my name is Charlie Watanabe. I am the uh, senior story editor for Walt Disney Imagineering and I write uh, stories for mainly for Tokyo parks, but I also write lots of stories for Duffy and Friends. Just up top, in terms of the world of Duffy and Friends, I would love to know more specific details. A couple of years ago, I mistakenly thought Duffy and Shelly Ann were a couple, and then I was told that they're actually much younger. Can you tell me any details about the <laughs> world they live in? Okay, so yeah, they're young kids, little kids, and I think that's one of the most important things about uh, Duffy and Friends because, uh, you know, as a storyteller, it's really important that we maintain um, innocence and as the core element of all the stories that uh, that we create. And um, so Duffy and friends are best friends, and then they're not a boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, that's I think that's one of the reason, uh, one big reason why they are able to love each other. And all the friends love each other, 
um, you know, beyond the, you know, gender or any of the, the things. I mean, the th things that are important in our, our world today, the diversity and inclusion. I think deaf and friends really represent that. Do they live in any particular place? Duffy and Shelley may live in Cape Cod. Okay, Cape Cod is a, it's actually a fantastical place um, in Tokyo Disney Sea, but um, it's in, they, they live in Cape Cod. And Shelley lives in um, New York, or it's better to say that they are from, like for example, Shelley is from New York. Gelatin uh, is from Mediterranean Harbor. Cookian is from Main Street, USA, and Olumel is from Hawaii. But they all often hang uh, hang out together. And so um, a lot of the stories take place in Cape Cod because they are visiting Duffy and Shalimei. Gotcha. Okay. This is like getting all my life's questions answered. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of Cookie Ann, is it specifically Main Street USA at Hong Kong Disneyland or is it just Main Street USA? It just Main Street USA. Because Duffy and friends uh, don't live in parks. They don't know that Disney parks exist because they live in their, the Duffy world. And so that's separate from the world that we live in. But they also live in uh, um, like the place in this, the same kind of a uh, human thinking and human mind. And so we share that space, but not the physical space. Gotcha. I'm sorry to be so philosophical, but <laughs> no, I was going to say, this is all the stuff I usually look for, but then, you know, you're, you're kind of limited to the stories that are printed on the tags and, you know, the, the stop motion videos you mentioned. And so it's so nice to finally know these details. I have one more question on the subject. Are these like, in terms of, you know, uh, Stella Lou loves to dance, gelatoni paints sometimes with gelato. Are those just general interests or are they kind of hybridized professions? Oh, since they're kids, I mean, they, they just happen to be talented in certain ways. And so, for example, Olumel, your favorite, uh, you know, is very talented in music. But, you know, when you say, uh, you know, he's talented in music, it doesn't mean that he can play lots of, lots of instruments so well. But um, all these friends are uh, talented in certain ways in a very special way. In that, for example, uh, Gelatoni is, a, you know, a good painter, but and is a good artist, but What's he's so special about him is that he's able to see beauty in everything he sees. So he's able to see beyond, you know, his eyes. And then that's what's special about him. Generally speaking, how long start to finish does it take to develop a character like this? It varies um, two to three years. And that includes a lot of different things just beyond the story, right? It also includes, obviously, product development. But as you've heard Charlie talk about, a lot of thinking and thought and development goes into each friend and their story and their hobby and their skill set, but also what each individual brings to the group as a whole. They complement each other. None of us, like in humans, is perfect, right? And so we need our friends to fill in all the gaps that we all have. That's why friendships are so important and so, so invaluable in our lives. And then I think that in friends, stories remind us how we can love each other and then, then we help each other. I guess I never gave so much thought to how like beautiful <laughs> the meaning behind all of these things are. I love it so much, but it's definitely come across on my end, kind of the consumer end, because I sat down and I thought about it. And these characters are essentially nonverbal. And yet I feel like I know them each so well. 
Like, there's no movie to point to. There's no television show. How do you so robustly differentiate between each other without really having a movie franchise to point to? As Eva said, when we when we come up with uh, um, new friends, we really think of the sort of a big picture in terms of how each friend is different from each other, but similar in certain ways, and how they can help each other out, and what what's missing in this world, like what kind of personality or talent would speak to our our fans, for example. And so. I think you're familiar with the hang tag stories, right? They're, they, the hang tags tell uh, the encounter story of each of the friends as Duffy meets them. And then we try to incorporate so much of who that friend, the new friend is, as well as the relationship between the new friend and Duffy. These stories, I think, bring into relief the core elements or the core qualities of the new friend and the new relationship that was just established. Every time you speak on these characters, I'm like, I would just, I would attend a college course on this. This is so lovely. Charlie used to be a professor. That's probably why. Ah, um, there we go. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> to Charlie's credit, you know, when we collaborate with our sites, we make sure every detail, right, speaks, ties back to who each character is. and each outfit, you know, Duffy and friends are known for, for their seasonal programs and the very many adventures they go on. But of course there's a matching outfit for each, each adventure down to right. How is Stella Lou's outfit different from Shelly May's the details of each and how that speaks to their personality and what they might be wearing. Um, you know, those are the details we, we think about because we don't have a lot of opportunities currently to tell a lot of these stories. We make sure that using the channels and the touch points that we have to our consumers, we are doing that in, in small ways um, and big ones like the stop motions when we can. To get into the stop motion, what was it like to work on a project that just a appeals to everyone globally? Because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Disney stuff is usually in English and th these characters appeal to everyone no matter where you're from or what language you speak. That's a very good question. I want to believe I don't know. Shall I talk about Yashi? This uh, yeah, Yashi is a Japanese, should. yeah, Japanese concept, Japanese word that means um, the comfort, uh, being cared for, relaxing, soothing. You know, all those emotions are actually comprised in, in this word Yashi, and then that now Yashi has become one of the core values of Duffy and friends because. It seems like a lot of, especially Japanese fans, find Yashi in Duffy and Friends because of the way that the cuteness and their fluffiness, you know, which also gives you a really nice comforting feeling, right? But at the same time, um, because of who they are and how they care about each other, you know, people feel like, oh, yes, I wish I could, I, if I had a friend like that, that would really make me happy. You know, that makes you feel so calm and then relaxed and then like loved. And that feeling of Yashi is so essential in, in any of the stories we create. And so that's um, probably one of the things we always try to keep um, and, and foremost in our minds. I love that so much. When we created the first stop motion, which was the Morning Glory story, um, I don't believe we knew that we were going to be hit with 2020 and a pandemic. Um, and 
it just became so apparent to us, to Charlie's point, that the feelings of Yashi and the, the principles of it were just so globally relevant because the world was going through something together. I think, as Eva said, it just, this, you know, sort of the feeling of Yashi is needed regardless of where the world is at that particular point. Even when you're really happy, I think there's nobody's really 100% happy all the time. And then um, there's a, a wonderful um, sort of Chinese saying that, that we use in Japan too, uh, which is basically, you know, the happiness is followed by sadness, sadness followed by happiness. Okay. So it's never, you're never happy, you're never sad, right? But there, you always have to deal with sadness that for some reason at some point. And I think Duff and Friends can sort of strengthen or, or maximize the happiness but also attenuates or mitigates the sadness, you know? So I think the feeling of Yashi and what Duffin friends bring to you would be, I think, something that's needed regardless of where you are in your life. And um, Yashi is something that I think we're all looking for regardless. It's so interesting because I came in here ready to be like, can you explain to me why I'm why I'm so emotionally invested in these characters? Like, I barely know them. They're not my home park. I don't know why I'm obsessed with them. And then I talk to you for five minutes and I'm like, oh, OK. Like, there's so much thought that goes into it that I, you know, as on the consumer end, I might not really see that. But it's so baked into the product that it, it just exudes it, even if you don't really know why. That's great. I mean, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Because, as you said, I don't, I don't think all, you know, all the, the Duffy and Friends fans are so deeply aware of who they are. But I really do not want to kind of take advantage of that and then just tell kind of a superficial cute stories. Because, first of all, I don't think that's who Duffy and Friends are. And secondly, I think the Duffy and Friends have a much bigger mission than just being cute. They are able to tell such, such important stories that we all need. We all need in order to become a better person, each one of us. And so that you love your friends, love people around you as well as yourself. And if we are able to do that, I think the world will become a much, much better place. And then I feel I have so much optimism and hope and enough in friends in helping accomplish that goal and i think if we if we lose track of that i feel that this franchise or the duffin friends is are going to lose it's like 95 percent of its value and that that's how important it is to me and, and i believe that for everyone in our team if I was in meetings with you, I think I would be weeping all day. This is so, this is unbelievable. I like, you've solved all of my world's problems. I truly, I'm like, I don't know why, but I know in my heart that gelatoni is the most important one to me. And I can't explain it. Like, I'm not a cat person, but still, like, I'm so drawn to so much of these characters and just never really understood it. But now it's like, oh, it's because it's part of this bigger picture and there's so much more philosophy to it. Yeah, I, I hope I'm not turning off any of our fans. No, <laughs> I think everyone's, I think this is an awakening because uh, a lot of my listeners are very into these characters, but, you know, we're only, we're only really served so much detail about them, which is why I was so excited to talk to you both because we, we know the surface stuff. Like we know which one's which one, we know their friends, we've seen some stuff, but a lot of people haven't had the chance to 
go to the Tokyo parks and to see people walking around, you know, carrying their animals face out like that magical aspect to it. A lot of people haven't seen that firsthand, but still are drawn in. So this it really it makes sense that all of this would go into it and would come out of it, even if you don't really know it's there. Yeah, just like, uh, you know, the kids often don't know how much their mothers or you know fathers love them, but they feel like loved. And even though the, the actions and the words might not be obvious, but you feel it. I think that's how we want Duffin friends to be. You know, we don't want to tell those stories in, in like in a in your face kind of way. But when you hold Duffin friends, that you kind of feel the love. Um, yeah, just like the kids uh, loved by their parents. I got to admit, I feel real guilty for anything I've said about Olu Mel right now. <laughs> I feel uh, uh, real, real bad, and like I need to repent big time. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're good, Carly. I mean, I think we know, right? I think behind the scenes, we know that we haven't shared a lot of these greater philosophies and thinking and thoughtfulness. And I think a lot of the credit goes to the fans too for em- embracing the friends and for creating their own stories. And I think that's sort of what has allowed. Duffing Friends to be as popular as it has at some of our parks is because of that, the love that we've received from from our guests and our fans um, themselves. Not to break them all apart, but do these individual characters vary in popularity worldwide? Yes and no. Um, I think because we showcase them in so many different programs that can vary throughout the year, depending on the hat that they're wearing or the outfit that they're wearing. It's it's some really interesting learnings that we gain from the guests, just seeing what's popular. Um, So yeah, it really depends throughout the year. The last thing I got to ask, we got to talk about Olumel. And I'm sorry, we we could talk about it from the the point of view that uh, Olumel has truly taken a global journey this past year and now is back at Walt Disney World. And so for a lot of people who are into these characters and who, like myself, first met Duffy somewhere like Epcot, what's it like to now have another character have a presence at Walt Disney World with all of the merchandise that's at Disney's Polynesian Resort? I think it's been great. The response has been so positive, I think, um, was really the, I guess, the first time for me as a, you know, as someone working on the on the property and on the project. Um, to see what the the domestic the U.S. response was um, or is to 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 this franchise because so much of it is uh, focused in Asia, so much of the energy. So to to hear all the positive response, um, bar one person, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Carly. I know it all comes from a great place, um, but that's I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. But um, no, it, it's it's all in good fun, and um, I, I love the 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 back and forth that you and all your friends have um, regarding Olumel. Um, but no, it's it's been I think for us um, sort of eye-opening in in hearing what the response is among a a guest right in in the u.s who might not be as familiar with it you know um if they want more if they want to see more i think um it's helping us have those conversations um what do we need to share more of in terms of their stories um i think um 
you know, for our Asia parks, Olumel was sort of the new offering when the parks reopened after they were closed for the pandemic. So for our guests in Asia, he was um, sort of that brush, that breath of newness and freshness that I think everyone wanted. And they were just so excited to meet. And I think um, visually, he's a little bit different from the friends. Um, Color-wise, he doesn't have fur because he's a turtle. And so I think they're just all these really unique, special aspects of him that um, he's really been embraced by all the fans, which of course I think as as the team that worked to create him, you're always worried about, right? You're like, well, will everyone accept him? Um, and I think for the most part, he's been quite embraced, so. I'm, I'm gonna, I, after this interview, I am an Olu Mel fan. I'm dropping it. Like, I, I can't, I am too soft and Midwestern for this. Uh, I was just like, why is this dude traveling the globe while I'm trapped in my house? So, so like, no offense. And I think that, that was part of it. I think that was just part of why he's been embraced. I think he's a symbol of, you know, he came from Alani or came from Hawaii um, during a time when people couldn't really travel, you know, he's just such a symbol of being from someplace different, right? And then um, who doesn't love ukulele music and a, a kind-hearted turtle? So I think um, all of those things wrapped into one. <laughs> I have to ask for my listeners, is there anything that they can look forward to? As in, will there be more Duffy and Friends stuff or experiences or anything coming stateside for the hungry Duffy and Friends fans? I want to say yes, right? What what that is, we're still working through or we are working through. So definitely stay tuned. There's such a special place in our hearts um, for these friends. So we definitely want to tell more stories. Um, how those come to life, right, are still to be determined. Um, but yes, definitely stay tuned. Yeah, it is encouraging to read those comments written by our domestic fans and the U.S. domestic fans who really want to, we, uh, they want us to bring Duffin Friends back to uh, the domestic uh, market. And so it's a... Uh, very you know, badly. <laughs> yes. Very badly. Okay. Because yes. when, when you create a story like that or, you know, stop motion or whatever you create and put it on social media, you never know what kind of reaction you get, right? But... It's been so encouraging. Um, we've, been, we've been so encouraged by so many, so many, so many positive comments and endearing comments. And then the obvious that they love Duffy and Friends. And so the more comments like that we receive, the more responsible we feel to make sure that we do the right things with Duffy and Friends so that we create this friendship you know, between our, the franchise team and all the fans in the world. Well, now you're never going to get us to shut up about it because we are going to be shouting it from the rooftops. <laughs> Thank you so much for this interview. Uh, I, I, this is, I'm not kidding. This is like the, my favorite interview I've ever done. Even if you dragged me over the coals, I deserved it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I'm so happy to keep the dream alive of more Duffy and friends domestically. My um, lifelong apologies. I will melt into a puddle and never recover after this. <laughs> Whoo! Well, after that interview, I'm sorry. There is not a chance I am going to be able to speak an ill word about Olu Mel going forward. So... 
Today we start a new era of the very amusing universe, where I, Carly Wiesel, am now on board with Team Olumel. I never thought I'd live to see the day either, but after speaking to them and hearing Charlie and all he puts into these characters, who am I to be the villain in this perfect plush world? You know what I mean? Olumel was never my favorite, but from here on out, I'm going to triumph him. Especially if me being negative is standing in the way of Duffy and friends having any sort of American resurgence. I'm on board. We are going to ride this turtle into the sunset and hope that more friends return to the parks. And I, I, hope, I hope you support my new outlook on life in forgiving Olumel for his past transgressions, moving through them, and growing to become friends into the great beyond. It feels weird to say. I did not think I'd be here, but I am an Olumel fan. Felt weird coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to go with it. Olumel and I, we're tight. I'm a fan. I cannot... I cannot, I cannot give this turtle a hard time. After that interview, it's done. We're calling it. This is the end. Olumel, I will herald you every day and night going forward. Thank you so much to everyone at Walt Disney Imagineering for their time on this episode. My sincerest lifelong apologies for not respecting your sweet musical turtle. And I promise I will make it up to you going forward. The era of loving Olumel is upon us. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Thank you.
Uh, hi, Carly. This is David in Mississippi. Um, I have a quick question. I recently went to Universal City Walk with my family back in February, and in preparation for my trip, I found on Google Maps that there was apparently a piece of the Berlin Wall tucked away behind Hard Rock Cafe. So when I was there in February, I went with my family over to some Chocolate Factory and decided to take a peek around the corner to see if this piece of the wall was actually there. And sure enough, lo and behold, there was a piece of the Berlin Wall tucked behind the Hard Rock Cafe near the lounge there in the back. Um, and so I was wondering what the history behind this piece might be. I don't know if it's owned by Universal Studios or by the Hard Rock Cafe people or what, but it's very uh, not talked about or uh, really uh, celebrated. I mean, it is a piece of Berlin Wall, but it is a piece of history. So I just wondered if there was anything you could, might be able to find about the history of that, uh, and we'd love the podcast. Thanks. Bye. I'm not going to lie. I have been waiting for the day that someone would call in about this because, boy, oh, boy, do I have an answer for you. Yes, it's true. The Hard Rock Cafe at Universal Orlando Resort City Walk, located just outside the parks, does indeed have a piece of the Berlin Wall. It's tucked kind of behind the entrance, like off to the side, so that everyone can see it without dining in the restaurant. Or because there's also another story there. I was tipped a while back that yes, Hard Rock Cafe does own a historic piece of the Berlin Wall, but according to my source... Apparently, one day, a custodial staff member decided to take it upon themselves and get rid of the graffiti. The iconic Berlin Wall graffiti was just washed away like it was a surface of the parks to clean, and the property is, understandably, somewhat embarrassed by it. Again, this was an anonymous tip I received many moons ago, but it makes sense. Why would Hard Rock Cafe, a place known for collecting flashy memorabilia, have a piece of the Berlin Wall that's blank when so many other fragments of it are covered in graffiti and drawings? I did try my best to corroborate this, and I looked for photos of it from when the restaurant opened or for when there was early press on it, and I did find one mention of the wall. Unfortunately, after fully signing up for newspapers.com, which Lord knows how much they're going to charge me when I forget to end my seven-day trial, I was able to find an issue of the Tampa Tribune that talked about the piece of the Berlin Wall, but sadly did not have any photos of it. And just when I was ready to give up, I found The Smoking Gun, a YouTube video called Original Orlando Hard Rock Cafe that shows what appears to be the same piece of Berlin Wall covered in graffiti. I screamed. I screamed when I saw it. Now, I'll add this piece of wall does also appear to be outside, but I squinted real, real, real hard at both versions of it. Just photos online of what it looks like now and this one image of what it used to look like. And there's a similarity in the design. There's a circle that used to appear in full in the old one that you can kind of see remnants of in the current one. Again, I don't know this for sure, but there seems to be a lot more to this story than just Hard Rock Cafe simply owning a piece of history. I hope that sheds some light on it for you, perhaps more than you anticipated. Thank you so much for calling. Hi, Carly. My name is Sarah, and I was curious to know or get your opinion on 
the Disneyland situation for previous annual pass holders. I'm a part of so many annual pass holder groups, and I just feel that there is no good information for should you buy a single ticket now or save that money and go for the annual pass holder. What is your best advice? I know the park is so low right now. I'm dying to get back. I want to buy a single-day ticket, but I also want to be able to save up and go as a pass holder again because I know it'll happen. What is your hot take, best take on this whole situation? Thanks. So here's the thing. I have no idea. I'm just I'm just going to own it. I have no clue. I've always said since the pandemic began that I can no longer really predict what's going to happen at these theme parks. Me out here, May 2021, I got no idea what's going to come next. They just pulled all all requirements for wearing masks outdoors when you're flopping around Universal Orlando Resort and Walt Disney World Resort. Didn't expect that to come this week. I truly am at another level of not knowing what's going to happen, especially when we are talking about California, where the state has all this guidance that may or may not change at a certain date and only residents are currently allowed in. Perhaps oh, still when this episode comes out, I'm recording this bit three days in advance of this episode dropping and I'm still like, well, who knows if this is still going to be accurate? That's where we're at in terms of predictions. However, what I will emphasize to you is that if I was you, I would save my money for an annual pass, but I would buy one ticket to the parks. I think by the time we do get an annual pass program back, whether that's a membership, whether that's subscription, all of the kind of words that have been floating around, I do not anticipate it will look like the annual pass programs of the past. I think if you have waited this long to go to Disneyland and it's currently only open to in-state residents, capacity is significantly limited, I say just buy one ticket right now. Go right now. Enjoy yourself. If you don't want to spend the full price for a park hopper, just go to one park. I think it will really tide you over until the program debuts. That being said, I'm personally bracing myself for how much I'm going to spend on what comes next. I haven't a clue what it'll cost, but I'm a bet it's going to be a lot of money. These Parks, Disneyland and Disney California Adventure were buckling under the pressure of annual pass holders. Anybody who's been there in the past couple years has seen it and experienced it. So I don't anticipate that they will be introducing a program that allows that crush of people as much access as they used to have for a similar price. That's why I think we don't know what's going to happen. You might just want to go now while you still can. There very well could be a SoCal resident ticket deal in the future. There could be discounts. Who knows? But all I know is that if you're waiting, it's going to take a bit for that to happen. And the parks were already closed for 412 days. And frankly, I think you deserve a Dole Whip. I hope that helps. And if you do end up going, please let me know. And I hope you have a wonderful time. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. That's 
our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you so much to Daniel, Charlie, and Eva for coming on the show to talk about Duffy and really change my worldview about his good pal Olumel. Oh, this new Olu love and life is gonna be weird. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods. Thank you so much to Not the Hippo, Aaron from DC, EHO2692, Danny Floyd, RP Walsh1118, Disco Volante, and everyone else who chimed in with a review because we got it A! We are at five out of five on Apple Podcast. We are graduating. We are going to college with a perfect GPA or grade or whatever. It's been a while. I don't remember. So thank you all so much. Oh my gosh, we did it. We did it. As someone who does not have performance reviews because uh, my job is basically being a professional clown, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. This means the world. You're all the best. Thank you so much for your kind words and reviews and for listening and for subscribing and for rating and reviewing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please give us a ringy ding on the Churros hotline at 747churros or email us a voice note or a tip or really whatever to 747churros at gmail.com. Either way works. Our little toasty cinnamon sugar assistants are monitoring the line 24-7 for you. Just kidding. It's an inbox. It's automatic. But it's way more fun to think about friendly little churros just monitoring a switchboard, no? Oh, how I wish. How I wish I could hire a staff of treats. If you want to be even more amused, why not drop five bucks a month and join the Patreoni Pizza Party? You'll get weekly bonus minisodes, a weekly newsletter, and a monthly zine. Sign up at patreon.com slash carlywiesel to get in on those bonus shenanigans. Once again, that's patreon.com slash C-A-R-L-Y-E-W-I-S-E-L. Follow me on social media at that same name on Instagram and Twitter for breaking Disney news, hot takes, and truly whatever else I do all day to distract myself from writing. Very Amusing is edited painstakingly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. I know I say this every week. But this week was so good. Oh, my God. I learned so much. I had such a fun time. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I cannot believe Leah has, like, the three best kids in the whole world. But Max is so bright and so smart and so good on the computer. And I am just amazed in how articulate he speaks. He is just such a sweet, cute kid. She did a really good job with those kids. I listened to this whole thing about Nicholas. He is amazing. He's in college, and he built this imaginary fun site of Disneyland. So I thought, you know, I'm going to try it out. So I went on the site, and unfortunately, I subscribed to the one or two of the wrong sites. And I finally found him on YouTube. I should have listened to you, but I was searching. Anyway, he was amazing. He is so brilliant. So I just thought Disney's got to scoop this guy up this he's amazing like who can do that and go to college i'm like oh my god anyway i wanted to say i enjoyed this podcast so so much i cannot wait till next week all right sweetie pie i love you and i'll talk to you soon bye sweetheart great job